Crusader war music. Uh, the Crusaders played that music in the Middle Ages as they defended Holy Mother Church against Islamic invaders. They would also, their battle cry was, Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm on duty. Terry, what about you? Jesse, I am on duty. Terry Barber. And I can't believe today's show is going to be a humdinger. And I'll tell you why. Uh, not only are we going to be talking about the uh, Black Lives Matter co-founder spending over $3.2 million in buying houses. It must be a lucrative business, but uh, being a Marxist. Uh, but we're also going to talk what, what I think is really, really the meat of our show, how bravery embraces suffering can lead to joy. This is an outstanding article by our good friend. And then, of course, we're going to finish up about how demons mess with Easter. But also, Jesse, I have a big surprise. You haven't heard this. I went on the CDC uh, to check something out. I've got some good news. Their website, right? Yeah, their website. CDC okay. website says, Finding these studies suggest that the risk of scars and COVID-2 infection via transmission route is low and generally less than, are you ready, Jess? One in 10,000, which means that each contact with a contaminated surface has less than one in 10,000 chance of causing an infection. Jess Romero, you've got more of a chance of dying in a car accident than with COVID-19. And I just want, I didn't say it. This is the CVC. So anybody at YouTube or you want to take me out because I said this, I got it right from the CDC. All right, Center of Disease Center. Uh, give me a break. Jess, I think that, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. We have to have the facts, not uh, fabricated facts. I'm talking about real true facts about what's gone on in the last year. And you guys all know what we think about that. So Jess, before we go into deeper issues of the day, let's get some good soul food going. That's right. Just want to remind you that uh, the month of April is the month of the Holy Eucharist. This month, you might make a commitment to go to Mass a little more frequently, spend some extra time before our Eucharistic Lord, our Eucharistic King. And if you can't get the Holy Mass daily, make sure that you're at least doing a spiritual communion prayer every single day. And you could also, you could also send your guardian angel to go for you to Mass as well. Amen. And remember that our Lord Jesus Christ waits for us in every tabernacle of the world. So let's go to him often. Gospel of John. Yep, short. Yep. Chapter Powerful. 3, yep. verse 31 to 36. John, the, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. <clears throat> the, this is our Lord Jesus Christ speaking. John writes, The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of earthly things. But the one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Our Lord is talking about the fact that his own people, the Jews, rejected his message and his claims as Messiah. Whoever does accept his testimony certifies that God is trustworthy. He's talking about Yahweh. That was, that's the way the, the Jews referred to God, Yahweh. But the Jews didn't realize that Yahweh has a son. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. right there incarnate. For the one whom God sent speaks the words of God, he does not ration his gift of the Spirit. The Father loves the Son and has given everything over to him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. This is the, this is the cash value of today's verse. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a look at a couple of verses here. Verse 31. 
where our Lord says, uh, the one who is, who is of earth is earthly and speaks of earthly things. So our Lord is contrasting here between the earthly origin, uh, the ministry of John the Baptist, and the heavenly origin of Jesus' ministry. Okay, yeah. So he's contrasting John the Baptist's earthly ministry with Jesus, the Son of God, his heavenly ministry. Let's look, jump over to verse 34 where our Lord says, not by measure. What does he mean by not by measure? Okay, What that means, as the Messiah, Jesus possesses the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of his graces. And look at verse 36. This is, this is important here. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. So what's the opposite of, of believing in the Son? Disbelief. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, we would say disbelief, yeah. but the Bible actually says disobey. Yeah, there you go. Sin That's is that. Interesting. Yes, yeah, disobey. So, so, mm-hmm. so here's where Protestants get it wrong on their salvation issue. They say, okay, I believe in Jesus, so I'm going to go to heaven. But if you don't believe in Jesus, you won't go to heaven. But it doesn't matter. Obedience doesn't mean anything. You should obey, but it's not necessary as long as you believe in Jesus. Wrong. Because let's go back to fourth grade English. Synonyms and antonyms. Okay? A car and an automobile, those are, that would be a synonym. That means the same thing. Now, what would be like an antonym? Okay? The antonym of black would be white. The antonym of white would be black. So here, the opposite of believe, according to John the, the Apostle who writes, the, the, uh, the opposite of, of believe is not disbelieve, it's disobey. Mm. Ah, Interesting. Which means that the word obey, if you look at it in Greek, pisteo, it actually means one of the three definitions of pisteo means to, to actually obey God. So Catholics have been right since the Reformation. We say believing in Jesus means you obey Jesus. Protestants rejected that at the Reformation. They said, no, 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 no. It just means intellectual assent. The intellect accepts the propositions of Christ as Lord and Savior. But, you know, you can still remain a piece of dung, poo-poo, covered with a white blanket, Luther and and Calvin said. You don't have to obey. I mean, it's good to obey, but you don't have to as long as you believe wrong. Today's gospel shows that Cardinal Cajetan and the other Catholics, Charles Borromeo, were absolutely right in front of Luther the heretic. To believe in Jesus means you have to obey Jesus. And Jesse, I have to admit that that has crept into the Catholic Church, even among our clergy. And you think about it, how many of the clergy have been caught in scandal who still say, well, well, you know, that's okay because God's all forgiving. I mean, I could do this and still get to heaven. They've yeah. been fooled. By... I, be- I believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's... that's it. All right, that's a good, a good catechesis there, Jess. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Full sheen ahead. And this ties in with our topic, Jesse. Later, uh, we're going to be talking about suffering, how it leads to joy. Uh, this is on escapism by Bishop Sheen. He says, escapes, uh, people like that refuse to face the fact that their own lives are disordered. Boy, is he talking about 2021? Or else they try an easy way out of their misery, which lands them into confusion, worse confounded. Some of the easy ways out of escapism are scandal-mongering, which seeks to find others who are worse than themselves 
and thus make them self-esteem good by comparison. You know, I didn't kill anybody. I'm good. Escapism of ridicule, which makes fun of the virtuous and religious to avoid the reproach of their goodness. Oh, that's happening. Escapism of noise, of drowning oneself out in excitement. You know, crowds, collective trances, so that the sweet, low voice of conscience through God speaks is never heard. Jesse, this man t- sounds like he's talking about what's happening in 2021. Wow. <laughs> and that's going to tie right into our topic after this first topic on how bravery embracing suffering can lead to joy. But let's get, uh, you know, I'm all for go. Oh, one more thing, Jesse. I remember to remind people we're not on YouTube right now. So go to Facebook. Because we're, we're, we're in YouTube jail. We for two weeks. For, and so we'll be back on, God willing. And uh, also pray for us because this afternoon I'll be looking at a program that um, might be able to get us. It's going to be expensive, but we're going to try to make it so that we can have our own YouTube channel. Now, that's big news to hear. I'll let everybody huge. know later. It that's is. That's huge. Yeah, we're working on that. I'm going to have a meeting this afternoon about what it was, would cost. But I'm all for it. And I know Jesse's been pushing oh, that on. for a while. And uh, we just have to look around because let's just be honest, Jesse, we have to have our own formats. We have to have our own app. We have to be able to communicate with our listeners without Big Brother uh, telling us and censoring us. I'm sorry. Big, that, big bully brother, Terry. Yeah, bully is right. Yeah. So, so I just want to mention that, and I'll keep everybody appraised on that. Also, don't forget we have conferences coming up. Jess Romero will be here on June 12th at the Catholic Men's Conference. And big news, Bishop Joseph Stro- uh, Strickland, our, our bishop here on Virgin Most Powerful, is going to do a pre-recorded video so everybody can see it in the studio, uh, actually in the church, because we're going to have it held in the church and also online. So Bishop Strickland's going to come and speak about fatherhood and St. Joseph. So I'm just... Uh, I just think it's an added bonus to coming to the men's conference. Absolutely. Yep. Of course, the greatest bishop in the United States right now. It the seems most outspoken. that outspoken. Yeah, there's a few good ones, but he's definitely the most outspoken. Yeah. One. Terry, I also want to mention a bit of good news good. that I mentioned the other day. Yeah, what is it? Is, uh, and, I, and I stand, uh, and, and I'm doing a mea culpa right now because I've been critical of yeah. you know the, the, the Fatima consecrations mm-hmm. and stuff by the last couple of Holy Fathers. But it seems to me, Terry, yeah. as if those prayers have had some effect, even just consecrating the entire world yeah. to Our Lady. I'll tell you why. Mm. Because as I look at Putin, Terry, Putin the other day just signed basically a, an executive order in Russia. Mm-hmm. Say he's going to keep himself for two more terms, I think, till 2036. <laughs> yeah. But not only that, Terry, he's outlawing a homosexual marriage in Russia, yep. period. He's outlawing any LGBT transgender bathroom propaganda he says he's not going to have that in Russia, okay? Uh, and, and there's also pictures of Putin uh, kissing and venerating icons of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Awesome. I think the prayers of the popes, Terry, the Absolutely. last five popes have had some effect Absolutely. on it. Absolutely. Hey, don't forget to go to our website for all the other events that we're putting on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. When we come back, a BLM co-founder spent $3.2 million accruing homes in the past with all those donations. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. I was always taught that crime does not pay. I've always heard that as a kid. Yeah, especially as a cop. (laughs) 
Yeah, but I'm 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 starting to wonder if you're a leftist. Yeah, Marx. maybe that doesn't apply if you're a leftist Marxist. Yeah. So my question to you, I think you're going to be outraged by this, because I guess crime does pay if you're a leftist Marxist socialist crybaby. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. BLM co-founder Patrice Can Colors, a practicing witch and lesbian spent $3.2 million accruing homes in the past few years. Yep, I guess being an activist for BLM has become a lucrative business for Patrice Can Colors. Sounds like it. She's one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matters, and she made the headlines last week after it was revealed that she purchased a $1.4 million home in a wealthy white neighborhood west of Los Angeles. Now the New York Post has discovered that the large compound purchased by can colors was not the only piece of real estate she has invested in recently the activist who comes from a modest upbringing has spent over 3.2 million dollars on four properties across the united states in 2016 uh and after another two years can colors and her wife again they're lesbians who is also a blm activist they purchased another home in rural Georgia. Uh, again, a couple of houses, one in Inglewood, another one uh, in, you know, a couple of houses in L.A. County. Yep. But uh, the one in Georgia takes up 3.2 acres. That home was worth 415000 when it was purchased. And it's unclear, but obviously the property values have increased. So the United States, it's not the only country where Patricia Ken Cullors, this uh, BLM co-founder, a lesbian witch has considered real estate ventures. She and her <coughs> wife were spotted in the Bahamas last year searching for property in a wealthy neighborhood where Justin Timberlake and Tiger Woods have uh, houses, among other celebrities, where they own property. And so the properties in that area were Patrice and Ken Cullors, a BLM co founder. She's looking at the prices are between $5 million and $20 million. <laughs> Terry? Yes, yeah, all I can say is. What what a phone. What a hypocrite. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, Jesse? What I've noticed, though, is this is not unusual for a Marxist or a communist. Think about the 1% of the people in China who are part of the communist, country, a communist Party. They all live higher than the regular people. Think about what happened in South America, Hugo Chavez. All these guys. They, how, about, how about Fidel Castro? How much did he die with? And saying that he was for the people. All of these... Communists, Marxists, they're the same color, Jesse. They talk out of one side of the mouth and they do what's on the other side. So I just believe that this should come out to everyone to see that this is phony. I mean, out of the $90 million that was collected from Black Lives Matter, what percentage of it is going to her and her so-called wife? You know what? It's scandalous. And you know what? People need to wake up and stop giving money to these Marxist left-wing groups. That's what I see, Jess. Yeah, and and, if, and uh, Terry, they all they all basically shake people down. They 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 started going like to big companies. Oh yeah, and start Coca Cola is the one big yeah. one. It's the biggest. Yes, and Coca Cola used to have a conservative track That's record, right. Terry. Yes. So again, they they uh, they 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 folded in half like a shotgun. Uh, the article here's here's the cash value in the article. It says, so it would seem. That being a radical activist uh, attacking American exceptionalism, capitalism as well, and order 
has become a lucrative business for the Marxist-inspired BLM co-founder Patricia Can Colors, witch and lesbian. The property purchases have raised questions among other BLM activists as to where she got the money to build such a large property portfolio. So there seems to be a little bit of infighting here because the New York City BLM activist, Hawk Newsom, he called for, quote, an independent investigation to discover where Patricia Ann Can Cullors found the cash to make such investments. Uh, So here you go, Terry. They're going to start fighting over the the treasure. Jesse, I I hope you laugh when I tell you this, but... What about the billions of dollars of damage that BLM riots caused last summer? How about paying some of that money back? It was about $4 billion of damage. It's just just a thought. Billion. Yeah, billions of dollars. So uh, uh, the the New York BLM activist, Hawk Newsom, he he says, if you go around calling yourself a socialist, you have to ask how much of your own personal money is going to charitable causes. Hawk Newsom, BLM activist from New York, says, it's really sad because it makes what Patricia Ann Cullors did, because it makes people doubt the validity of the movement and overlook the fact that it's the people that carry this movement. Yeah. So uh, here's here's basically this this whole conspiracy, this this corruption. Black Lives Matter has received over ninety million dollars in donations in yep. two thousand twenty alone. That is scandalous, yep. and many people are wondering how that money was being spent. Well, it's unclear how much of this money went to Patricia Can Cullors, but clearly large sums have landed in her personal bank account. Terry, she just following a long list of Marxists. Yes. Again, They're that consistent. end up yeah, they end up preaching one thing. Yeah, you know, of course. Uh, uh, you know, Hugo Chavez, uh, Castro. Fidel, yeah. Uh, you know, they all oh. preach one thing, yeah. but they all live like kings and emperors here on earth, Terry. Well, Jesse, that's just the facts, and and it's scandalous, and it's all the rest. But we just want to uh, encourage people to realize that uh, many of these people who are activists. When it comes down to it, uh, many of them are looking to to benefit their pocketbook, and I think that's scandal. Here's one more scandal on it: the L.A. Uh, City um, group that is you're part of the um, uh, you're a school teacher, and then you're part of a union. They're, they've been giving money to Black Lives Matter since last year, wow. and I think that's a scandal in itself. And I hope that uh, Jim and others who are listening that are teachers in L.A. City will go to the uh, board and say, hey, wait a minute, why are we giving money to these people? Look, because this should stop them in their in their tracks. But you know what, Jesse? Sometimes I wonder about the facts. Are they important to many people? Terry, uh, just uh, on a theological point of yeah. view, uh, greed or avarice is one of the seven deadly sins mentioned in the Bible that will send you to hell, Proverbs chapter 6, right. verse 16 and following. Uh, it's one of the seven deadly sins that Satan uses constantly to tempt people. Sloth, envy, anger, lust, gluttony, avarice, pride. Avarice is, it also means greed. And uh, St. Paul also tells us, uh, he's very clear, that a lot of people go to hell. He says it to Timothy because yeah. they put love of money first. And as a result of that, they shipwreck their faith. They lose their faith. I don't know what faith tradition th- these this blm patricia and kind of colors i'm gonna guess she's she's you know bl- black female probably born and raised a baptist she's rejected christ she's a practicing witch and uh and her witchcraft basically which uh which 
which doesn't form her conscience properly according to natural law and the word of God, has made her fall into the sin of avarice and greed. And let me tell you, if she does not repent and come back to Jesus Christ in some way, shape, or form before she breathes her last breath and does her exit interview, she will spend an eternity in hell. You cannot go to heaven and be saved and 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 uh, and violate the seven deadly sins and not repent and have contrition of one of those sins before you die. So out of charity, we're calling her to repent, like we call ourselves to repent and believe yeah. in the gospel. Yeah. Jess, yeah. let's take let's let's move on to this next topic. Let's do it. It's a big one. How bravery embracing suffering can lead to joy. This is a topic that is huge, and I just want to set it up like this. Think about this, everyone. Uh, the earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. That was St. Mm. Thomas More. But Mm-mm. this is a, a powerful thought. There is so much suffering in the world which could be transformed into streams of grace if it were accepted and offered in union with the sufferings of our blessed Lord. Hospitals could become spiritual atomic power plants in drawing divine graces into the world. If all Catholics would work with this great talent properly, the evil one would soon be defeated, the world would be converted, and countless poor souls would be released from purgatory. I truly believe that, but our good friend from American uh, TFP, uh, Horvitz, John Horvitz, wrote an article showing this, how bravery embraces suffering can lead to joy. So let's get into it, Jess. Terry, he quotes a very famous poem. It's called Virgil's Roman Epic. It's called the Anid. Mm -hmm. Anid. And there's a famous scene where there's a terrible storm. It washes up the protagonist. Mm -hmm. His name is Aeneas. And his men on the shores of Carthage. Mm-hmm. So the crew is bruised and battered and discouraged <laughs> by its misfortunes. It's like Gilligan's Island. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. And, and the men are tempted to give up. Aeneas encourages them, uh, concluding with one of the epic's best-known Latin passages. I won't read it in Latin, but in the translation in English is, goes like this, quote, And perhaps it will please us one day to remember these things. Mm. In other words. Great line. Uh, Aeneas, he in Virgil's Roman epic, he predicts that there will come a time when the crew that's been shipwrecked would recall such tragic moments with joy. And so the celebrated passage contains that paradoxical truth that our sufferings and misfortunes can be occasions for later joy. When we're around a campfire saying, man, do you remember what happened this and the Lord took us out of that? Yep. So overcoming adversity can produce in us sentiments of satisfaction and fulfillment when we confront tragedy with courage and honor we experience a growth in character that stays with us for life and so yes, yes. the conclusion is that whilst well life is painful suffering can have good consequences and enrich our personal lives with the proper attitude we can experience joy in our eventual triumphs and even in our defeats and then we can truly say with Aeneas in Virgil's poem, we can say, quote, and perhaps it will please us one day to remember oh these things. So in the next, uh, we'll continue talking yeah. about this, and we're going to take a look at, oh, it's great. The, uh, at the fact that uh, it, we have to see a lot of people think that there's no value in suffering, and we're going to show you that, in fact, the Catholic view of suffering is redemptive, and there is value in suffering. We're also going to talk with you about, again, a, a, a regime 
of resentment, and we're Victim. seeing this around the country. Victocrats, yep. victimhood. Exactly. People saying, oh, no, systemic Ooh. oppression. Yeah. Oh, injustice. Uh, and, and so people have all kinds of excuses not to embrace their suffering in the here and now and grow in virtue and holiness. So we'll be talking about Absolutely. that and much more on the next segment. Today. Absolutely. And Jesse, I might add, we have millions of people running around with adult bodies with children's maturity. And the reason that is, is what you just said, Jesse. They don't understand how suffering is involved in life. They don't understand that you have to be responsible. These are all things that Mr. Horvitz is going to talk about that makes total sense here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll talk about this victimhood that the world is trying to sell on us. It's not true. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us and get fired up about your Catholic faith. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. St. Thomas More says, Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Amen, We're talking about the theology of suffering. There's actually a, a, it's actually a theology in, in Catholicism. It's called theodicy. Theodicy, the study of suffering. Mm -hmm. Dr. Horvat writes, This great lesson about suffering is missing from our postmodern lives. Most people see no value in it and avoid it at all costs. Thus, we have no fond memories of life's hardships. Yep. The meaningless and monotonous gratifications in our lives torment us more than any misfortune. The emptiness and tragedy of so many broken lives come from their many avoided sufferings. Unfortunately, we do not profit from our trials. Instead, we curse them and wish them gone. Our Hollywood culture has bred us into an unquenchable thirst for a happy end to every one of life's twists. Moreover, we are told to mask any interior suffering by putting on the outward appearances of happiness. Admitting unhappiness is considered tantamount to confessing we are failures. The world will always frustrate us since it corresponds to the reality of our fallen nature. While the faith reminds us to face life's troubles with fortitude, we are constantly tempted to escape fantasy worlds and deadly vices. Terry, that's a good point that John, oh, it, John it's, Horvath it's makes. Beautiful point. And Jesse, think about how many of us will go onto a computer and play computer games and just waste our time and live vicariously. This is what the a, internet... A fake life. A fake life. Exactly. This yeah, is excellent. an excellent article. He also says this. There are three disastrous consequences of our postmodern world without suffering. We see them reflected daily in our lives as we struggle to come to terms with life's inevitable misfortunes. They all happen. Let's get over it. Life's full of adjustments. The first is the blunt existence that leads us to take no risk. Boy, is this important what he's saying. So many adopt of a mean, a man, mania for, for safety that reaches the point of absurdity. There is no limit to the measures people take to ensure their security. All must be planned, insured, regulated, excluded, even from the remote possibility of harm. So in other words, 
They don't even want to go out of their house because they might catch something. Did I say that? Yes, I did, Jess. <laughs> is it happening right now? Uh, yes, uh, it is, Jess. Yeah, right. Thus, remarkable risks, uh, reasonable Re- risks are discarded, and the regime of paranoia is installed. Do we have paranoia right now, Jess? I would say oh, so. Oh, gosh. The COVID lockdown, for example, devastated our society and economy beyond measure simply to avoid the risk. Remember what I said? One in 10,000 risk of a risk that someone might become infected. I didn't say it. The CDC said it. We organize society to ensure all adventure and drama. Thus, we produce men without chest, well said, people without personalities, and children of tadimity, which they don't want to just, you know, oh, oh I'm a, well, woe is me. Yeah. None are allowed to be bold in this postmodern waste. Well, we have to be bold as Christians. All is reduced to the security of screens and gadgets that keep us entertained and disconnected from reality well said john there where no danger is allowed there can never be foreseen uh in this ec- how does that uh, what is that how does yeah that-, that that's the latin phrase for it it goes and perhaps oh, yeah, right. it will well, please us one day right. to remember these things in other words yeah but john, john is talking about this epic poem for virgil yeah that's right that after they 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 survived this shipwreck now, in the future, they're still alive, and they they gather around and talk about the way they survived that time can, of suffering can and I, tragedy. Can I give an example of that really concrete? People are going to say, Terry, you didn't do that, did you really? Yeah, I'm going to expose it. Yeah, yeah. A young boy, 16 years of old, and I think, let's see, it was uh, 16 and 18. They went on a boat 26 miles across the sea to Catalina Island. They built their own boat and then went across the sea. Now, they went to confession. They did all the preparation for safety for their boat but most people would say that they're crazy can i tell you jesse seven eight years later after they did it you know they talk about that trip all the time you know what that did they stuck their chest out and said dad we did it <laughs> they, that's what kids need no oh you might get hurt johnny if you swing the bat too many times in the day you better set the bat down are you kidding me i swung a bat 200 times a day as a kid why do you think I was a batting champ? I didn't say, my parents didn't say, you might hurt your wrist if you keep practicing. Jess Romero, when you were practicing martial arts, if someone told you, Jesse, you might get hurt doing that, get, this is, this is wrong. It's just simply wrong. We, we're going to run into a kids who have no tenacity and no courage to fight the good fight. Well, yeah, well, that's what C.S. Lewis said, calls, and, and Dr. Horvath quotes him, yeah. men without chest. That's, that's the it. C.S. Lewis line. Yep. Dr. Horvitz writes, all must be effortless. The second characteristic of our age is that our safe desires must be executed Mm -hmm. effortlessly. We demand gains without pains, rights without duties, success without failures, (laughs) and rewards without struggles. In other words, words, everybody gets a participation trophy. That's what he's saying here. Yep, that's Little League now. No no first place, second place, because that'll hurt people's feelings. No winners or losers. (laughs) Everybody gets a trophy. Is hey. everybody relating to this right now? And if you're older than like Jesse and I are old guys, we hadn't when we went and played ball, there was a there somebody won the pennant, somebody won the batting child batting title. Somebody was MVP. Yeah, all that and, and you know what? We dealt with it. Oh, Jesse, you didn't get the MVP? Okay. Nope. Get better next week, next time. Do, yeah. do, work harder. And and Dr. Horvath writes, any suggestion that hard effort must be applied to reach our goals is often rejected outright. 
Thus, our politically correct world provides a lexicon of terms to explain away our defects <laughs> as challenges, yeah. conditions that merit special accommodations and privileges. Yes. Any misfortune or inequality, however small, is grounds for a new entitlement. Ugh. This mindset kills any energetic measures to forestall disasters and functions as if bad decisions never have unpleasant consequences. The result is a social landscape littered with broken individuals. Just look at Black Lives Matter, Antifa, look at their shattered families and afflictive addictions, drugs and alcohol, uh, pornography, of those who avoid dealing with reality. They make supreme efforts to prevent any effort. They languish on their own Carthage shores, refusing to pick themselves up and move forward. Their frustrated lives are deprived of those critical moments when they might shine by their determination to overcome obstacles. Indeed, they look back on the disasters of their effortless, li- of their effortless lives, not with joy, but with acrid remorse. Yes, why? I'll tell you why, Terry. Because they sit there and wallow in their pain and suffering exactly. instead of instead of getting up, wiping off their knees, and saying, "You know what? Ha, I got knocked down, but I'm getting up and I'm moving forward." Yeah, you see, Jesse, what he said about family life. Think about someone growing up with this entitlement mentality, and they're married, and he loses his job, and he's got two or three kids and a wife, and he says, "Oh, I I, I give up. I'm I'm out of here." See, that's the attitude we have right now because of what we've been doing to the generation. They don't have an idea that says, hey, I'm going to ask God's grace to help me pick myself up, and somehow God is going to lead me through this, and I'll get through it. But they don't have the attitude of gratitude. They have an attitude of entitlement. You see the difference between an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of of, uh, entitlement? That's right. It's a big difference. Just continue on this. Yeah, this next topic is powerful. Huge. Horvat writes... A regime of resentment and perceived injustice. This is exactly what's happening right now around the country. He says, the last characteristic is the slide into victimhood. Or as Larry Elder says, victocrat. That's right. Larry does that. Victims try to avoid suffering by assigning all blame to others, not themselves. Individual responsibility is denied and replaced with systemic oppression that's, that's their line. any setback becomes an excuse to protest the established order for saddling us with the injustice of adversity defund the police defund the police victims turn suffering into perceived injustices and a justification for resentment any comment incident or insult becomes a major catastrophes that must be denounced with loud protest huh, yeah Arresting a young black guy who's got warrants with a gun, that becomes a catastrophe. Those who ask them for a little suffering or effort are labeled racists or oppressors. These victims are the, are the coddled individuals and triggered snowflakes that haunt our postmodernity with their languid mediocrity. Life's vicissitudes Changes, are, thus, yeah. are thus magnified into the greatest injustices. <laughs> An ice storm in Texas becomes a story of unbearable suffering for which the greedy investors must be made accountable. An insult is turned into a hate crime for which no apology can suffice. A word or tweet is enough to cancel a person's career. By self-identifying as the contrary of the perceived cause of their sufferings, victims try to change reality an exercise in futility. 
In such a regime that we're living in now, by the way, everything becomes fragile and broken. Life becomes impossible. We're worn down by constant whining of pusillanimous souls who make themselves victims of their suffering and expect our complicity. Indeed, no greater sufferers exist than those vitiated in the avoidance of suffering. They find few occasions of joy for their entire life is spent dodging the inevitable trials wrought by our fallen nature. And only those who embrace suffering are one day going to be able to say in the future around a campfire, they're going to say, quote, and perhaps it will please us one day to remember these things. Terry? Wow, well, just so beautifully stated. Yeah. And, and you know, Jesse, this is the mentality that kills unborn babies also. Because I'll tell you why. They say, wait a minute. I, if we're bringing this baby into this world, that means I've got to feed it. I've got to go to work. I mean, 18 years. Why should I have to go to Are work to get paid? Come on. Who's going to pay for this baby? I can't do that. See, this is this, this mentality of no sacrifice, no suffering. I, it's only it's all about me, myself, and I. Hedonism. Hedonism is where it's at. And that's why hedonism can kill unborn babies and think nothing of it. Jesse, great article. It's on our show page. At, yeah, there's one more paragraph. That we're going to finish it when we yeah, come we'll back from the up. break. It's great excellent. article, though. Yeah, and excellent. we'll come back and finish it. And then we'll talk about a uh, oh, about Easter and uh, wow, the devil. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll this will blow you away. It's true too. Hey, you're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us for our final segment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The Terry and Jesse Show, Blue Collar Catholic Radio, speaking the truth in charity. This article by Dr. John Horvat on uh, victocrats and victimhood <laughs> and the fact that people don't want to embrace their suffering, he wraps it up by saying this, embracing suffering. He says, of course, we hate the cross of suffering that will always be placed upon our shoulders. We have an aversion to suffering. However, suffering has its benefits. Through it, we come to see that everything worthwhile takes time and effort. We can learn great lessons from our misfortunes. The satisfaction of a duty well done is a source of happiness. Moreover, God blesses our lives with moments of great joy between the sufferings that visit us. Our postmodern society needs to learn this lesson if we're to overcome the present crisis. There is no easy way out of this crisis brought upon us by our iniquities. Mm. The longer we put off the acceptance of suffering, yep. the greater it will be. Either we embrace the coming suffering with resignation or we will perish. Terry, wrap it up this last paragraph. Well, I will, Jesse, but he's nailing it because think yeah. about what he just said. Our culture is dying. We're in a dying stage right now. We don't have babies coming. where Our families are tearing up, being torn apart, so he's nailing it. Okay, redemptive suffering takes us beyond our trials. Come on, we said that at the beginning. He says the cruel reality of our situation is allowing evil to reach a climax. If we are to survive, we cannot face this danger alone. We must have the recourse to the church that teaches us how to overcome our fears and embrace suffering. Mm. When united with the infinitely precious suffering of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
We can share in his redemptive suffering. We can offer up our suffering for the salvation of souls. Our sufferings then gain meaning and purpose. They impact the entire society and history. Thus, the Christian perspective on suffering goes far beyond our trials, Jess, as you know. It puts them in the context of what? Eternity, which fills us with joy. Then we can truly say, that Latin, that Latin, Latin phrase, phrase that goes in English. However, the joy will not yeah. only be an earthly joy, but a heavenly one. Well said, Dr. Horvitz. Absolutely. Yeah, that Latin phrase goes, you'll sit around a campfire in the future, thinking about the times that you suffered, and you'll say, quote, and perhaps it will please us one day to remember these things. And, and Jesse, just again, this is such a huge topic. We know we can look in our Bible, Colossians chapter 1. He says, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church. The Catholic Church teaches redemptive suffering. If you think about other Christians who have come into our Catholic faith, I've asked Scott Hahn, I've asked Tim Staples, they had no idea about redemptive suffering. This is something that is so important to understand that I just think you, you lose you lose so much of Christianity without understanding redemptive suffering. Well, Terry, that's that's why you'll find, like, for example, the Protestants, since they don't have the theology of redemptive suffering, yeah. they've come up with an entire movement in the TBN channel called the Health and Wealth Gospel. That's true, the prosperity Jeff. Gospel, you're right. You're right. Because in their theology, they don't have the study of suffering. It's called yeah. theodicy. And so for them... Uh, since they don't know how to explain it to their flock, yeah. they've just come up with the, once again, uh, a health and wealth gospel. Everybody's supposed to be healthy, wealthy, and wives. But, Terry, this is a myth. This is not reality. Nope. It, 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 it's a Hollywood myth that, that uh, you know, everybody, everything's going to end happy. No. We're all going to suffer, get old, and die you at think? the very least. No, I mean, no one gets out alive. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like the Hollywood movies where everything turns out good at the end. No, not everything is going to be joyful. You're not always going to win. You're not going to be the MVP. You, you know, things don't turn well or successful in job, in workplace, in relationship. Get over it. Yeah. Suffering is no, part of the of human it. condition. And, and that's why St. Louis de Montfort, he would say things that, like, a person uh, who does not suffer should actually ask the Lord for crosses for a <laughs> person to whom God gives no suffering, should be wary of his eternal salvation. Well, that's St. Louis the Monterey. Well, and that's why Bishop Sheen says, without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. And so these Christians and these people who say, I don't need to suffer. Jesus suffered for me. Well, you're not getting the message of Christianity because Jesus Christ says we're supposed to imitate, be as St. Paul says, be imitators of me as imitators of Christ. That's so right. We have to take the cross. The cross... Without, let me tell you, St. Maximilian Colby said it in three stages of life. And Jess, you and I talked about this over the years. Your first stage of life is your formation. And then you're apostate, whether you're a priest, a, a, whatever, a nun, or if you're a father or mother. But the third stage of life for most of us, I see it here at our chapel. Then people, almost every day we do funerals here. And they talk about their, he had suffering. Everybody has wasted pain. Remember what I just said, Jess, about there's so much suffering in the world which can be transformed into streams of grace. If it were accepted and offered in union with the sufferings of our blessed Lord, check this out. Hospitals could become spiritual atomic power plants, drawing divine graces into the world because there's too much wasted pain there. 
If all Catholics would work with this great talent properly, the evil one would soon be defeated, the world would be converted, and countless poor souls would be released from purgatory. That's how important redemptive suffering is, brother. Yeah. And uh, St. <laughs> Teresa of Avila gave us a very simple prayer. Yeah. I think and it helps us even in this time right now of a lot of mass depression. And yeah, a lot of, big time. Uh, and, and what's going on right now in our society with this tyrannical mm-hmm. government. Yep. She says this, quote, St. Teresa of Avila. Let nothing trouble you. I love that. Let nothing disturb you. All things pass away. Mm -hmm. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. He who has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. St. Teresa of Avila. Think about this in 50 years. uh, I know Terry Mead will definitely won't be here. Give me a break. I'm not in third base. and, And whatever I've accumulated, I won't take with me as well. That's just something that... It's just something to think about, but what, what, but the treasure that I am accumulating through a life of faith, prayer, and re- worthy reception of the sacraments, Amen. my treasure is in heaven, where moth and worm cannot destroy or eat away. Terry, well said, Jess, and this is why it's important. I want everybody to either go to jesseromero.com or virginmostpowerfulradio.org to get this article, because yes. it's incredibly important to have this sense of. Of, you know, every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. So you offer up everything for, for love of God. And you know, remember what the little flower said about picking up a, a pen for love of God. So I, this is what we have to do because right now uh, the, the world doesn't understand redemptive suffering. Remember Our Lady said this, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for them. Will you be willing to? Sign me up, Jess. Jess, you got one more comment. Yeah, Terry, there's a there's a s- small little part. article by Monsignor Stephen yeah, Rossetti. Demons, he's, yeah. he, he's the exorcist for the Diocese of Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Talks about demons uh, attack people even at mass. Yep, and they try to they try to cause things to malfunction. Yep. he said he said this. This Holy Thursday, as a local priest began sacred trit- triduum, yep, unexpectedly the church lights began to flicker. Yep. They got unnaturally bright and then very dim, despite the controls having no rheostat. The lights flashed and faded. Then the church went completely dark. The priest, unfazed, led a beautiful celebration by candlelight. Later, a spiritually gifted woman present in the congregation confided to him that one of Satan's minions had entered the church and invoked the help of demons to disrupt the Mass. When the Mass ended, the lights returned to normal, as if nothing had happened. And in a nearby church two days later at the Easter Vigil, when it came time to sing the Gloria... The organ unexplic- inexplicably would not play. The priest calmly proceeded to lead the people in a blessed vigil mass a cappella without instruments. The organist tried throughout the liturgy to get the organ to work, but to no avail. At the very end, the organist had an inspiration and took out some of the holy water blessed on Epiphany Sunday. He sprinkled the holy water on the organ and it began to function normally just in time for the final hymn. Father Rossetti says this is typical demonic behavior. It, it harasses and tempts, but it can never thwart the work of God. I've encountered, encountered a number of people recently who are frightened by Satan and cower in fear. Unwittingly, because of their fear and letting this fear control their behavior, they fall under his control. On this Divine Mercy Sunday that just passed, we say that prayer that St. Faustina offers us. Jesus, I trust in you. The priest ends by saying, Satan is toothless and powerless in the presence of the risen Lord. Jesus, I trust in you. Wow, that is so beautiful, Jess. 
Jesse, I want to. He also gave us a prayer to pray before uh, you you start doing work in front of your computer. Yeah. Which I started doing this yesterday. Good. And I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to everybody. Everybody. At VMP. Yeah. Every, I'm gonna sure. put it. It's a great idea. Yeah. Be, and here's the the prayer that you should pray, especially us that are trying to evangelize using the internet. It goes like this: in Name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Sovereign King, enthroned in heaven, in your love and mercy, establish a perimeter a perimeter of protection with your precious blood around our communication devices and all technology used during this season. The cameras, webcams, microphones, speakers, displays, and any and all software, Wi-Fi connections in the air, both my router and the router of VMP, and anyone assisting, the optic cables involved in in the transmission of data, and the light waves being used to transfer data. Cleanse them with your precious blood and drive from them any satanic influence. Establish around them a sanctuary of your mercy where Satan and other evil spirits or human agency cannot interfere. I ask the Father that he would block, bind, rebuke, and render impotent any assault of the evil one from them in any way. Father, so long as these instruments are utilized in the ministry of the divine mercy, we ask you to allow them to enjoy the protection of the Blessed Mother, St. Michael the Archangel, and all the holy angels. We ask this in your most holy name, the name before which every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under heaven, that, that is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Wow, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. That's I'm a powerful that to everybody. prayer. I I'm want it to everybody. I want it. Hey, Jess, just to remind everybody, the men's conference is June twelfth. We got Bishop Strickland coming in via a computer uh, feed of a video of his on Saint Joseph and 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 uh, the uh, men fatherhood. Uh, also, I want to remind you, May fifteenth coming up in a month. We're going to have an evangelization conference online called Evangelization for the Third Millennial. Just go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org to find out more about that. There's much, much more here on our website. I want to encourage you also to get our app. We've got more people getting our app since YouTube's not on right now. Pick up our app. We have control of that uh, by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow, same time, same station. Uh, We have the good doctor coming up next. Dr. Sandoval, he'll be inspiring you to fall deep in love with Jesus. Jesse, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's live in the state of grace. Do not live in the state of mortal sin. Wake up, America. Wake up, Catholics. Don't hit the snooze button. There is a global warming alert. What is it? (laughs) Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Uh, Praise God. Let's get ready. If you haven't been to confession the last month, get to it. If you've been waiting for someone to encourage you, that's me. Get there, make an appointment, do whatever it takes to get to confession. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the summary of what Virgin Most Powerful is about. Helping people fall deep in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. We'll be back with Dr. Sandoval. Pick up our app and you can hear those shows. May God richly bless you and your family.